<laughs> yeah, though, because um, your portfolio popped up again recently because my I've got a mate at work called Joe, and he's he's an absolute fan of your work. Um, oh, really? And I think he lurked in your Discord for a bit. We'll talk about you today because I said I said we were going to do this podcast, and uh, yeah, oh, he, cool. he's a big fan, and uh, some of his his works like based on like Rust and stuff. He's oh, done wow. some like weapons cool. and stuff. So, oh, nice! I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> do a live, do a live roast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think he'd love that. Um, so yeah, uh, this is the Game Dev Origins podcast with me, Lewis, and today I'm joined by Tom Tom Butters. Hey. Amazing, amazing surname for the buttery smooth voice. <laughs> um, Thank you. It's meant to be. Yeah, no, it is. It's. Yeah, it's it's not even a joke. Like I, I'm I'm sh- shook. The first time I heard your voice on the video, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got the most silky smooth voice ever." It's amazing. I might send you to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. About yeah, that. like honestly, like I've got um I've got like a subscription to the the car map like that we get with work oh, yeah. and stuff, yeah. and like yeah, like some of the your voice is more relaxing than some of the voices on there. <laughs> so yeah, uh... if I do drift off. I'm in low energy mode because I'm ill, so... I mean, I often send my wife to sleep when I'm trying to talk to her about things. <laughs> yeah. You just see her drifting up. <laughs> hey, sweetheart, we've got some bills that need paying. Like, uh, we got a final <laughs> warning notice. It's like, no, <laughs> this is serious. <laughs> Come back. Yeah. So, um, for the people that don't know who you are, where, who are you? What do you do? Where do you work? Um, yeah, um... Well, you already know my name. Um, I work at Facebook Studios as a lead uh, weapon and prop artist. Um, and I've been that, I guess, technically for, I don't know, um, less than a year, I would say. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, Facebook like, has, hasn't really had a hierarchy, really, for the longest time until more recently. Um, and so it's all, it's, it's quite new to myself, actually. It's kind of an odd one, really. Is there a, yeah. how, how kind of big's the team there? We've got quite a few, actually. Well, I say quite a few in, <laughs> in comparison to somewhere like EA or, I don't, I, well, I don't even know how many people are at Cloud Imperium, but we've got maybe like 50 odd and growing. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a massive team. Yeah, um, it was obviously much smaller a couple of years ago, but we're in the business of expanding at the moment. Hype! That's pretty exciting. Yeah. <clears throat> I think at Cloud we've got like we got so ridiculous now. We got like I'm trying to think when I joined, I think they were at I think it was eight hundred across the entire company. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty Thank sure you. it was something like that. I think it was like. I believe it was like four, four hundred maybe in the UK. Dude, th- that's wild. Either that, or because... I'm getting it confused with UB. See, this is that the thing. Is like, well, we've we've got a lot now. We've got a lot now, definitely. When I mean, we have yeah, like see, so many studios, yeah. we uh, we're I guess you could say an indie studio in a way. Like we, I mean, when I first started at Facepunch ten years ago. I was like one of the first artists employed there. 
And so going from a very, 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 like a handful of people to what it is now, like that feels big to me, but 400, 800, that's, that's wild. There's crazy numbers. There's crazy numbers. Yeah. It's, it's kind of incredible to be honest. <clears throat> so, so how long have you been at Face Punch in total, like from start to, to now? Yeah. So just over 10 years, I had my 10 year anniversary, um, a couple of months ago. Gee. <laughs> uh, yeah and this is my actually my first industry job as well that's insane so you've been yeah. there since so just to put it so you worked on rust right and has that been um, from the very beginning originally originally i worked on gary's mod and then i when rust was starting to take off i i was on that as a character artist um oh, well originally i was a character artist and then just sort of fell into weapon and props um what, what was it you liked about weapon and props that drew you over dude what can i not love about weapon <laughs> and props <laughs> it's just like i mean it's just something that i did anyway because we, we were such a small team to begin with um i was sort of like a jack of all trades um primarily a character artist but then I was asked to do some weapons uh, and some props along the way. I even did some environment art um, a little bit here and there. And I just, I don't know, there was just something about weapons and props that I felt more tuned to, in, in, in tune with. Um, because like, I, I, one thing that drew me to making games is storytelling. And I felt like um, I could tell a story with the main character I want to be. This guy who <clears throat> who modeled this awesome character that has some really deep, like, backstory and um, and that people just fall in love with and just think is awesome. And then I sort of got into weapons and props and I found that actually it's sort of the same same process, really. You can still tell a story through prop and weapon art, especially with something like Rust, where it those items do have a history, even though, you know, not a real history, you just sort of make it up as you go. Yeah. And sort of trying to portray that history on in the art of the weapon or whatever prop it might be was such an intriguing idea to me and so unique. And just was just so different from character artwork that it just gelled with me and I loved it. The awesome thing to see with Rust over like the time that it's been out is I feel like the art style almost kind of like evolved more and more over time. And now it has like this really cool art style of like, you know, the the objects that are kind of like, you know, built from different things, but it, it's kind of developed even more so to like the point where like your <clears throat> your more recent stuff, the underwater themed stuff's like really, really awesome. Oh, yeah. Like seeing seeing how they're made out of different items and they've got like barnacles on them and stuff. And... Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I can only take so much credit for that. You know, um, I feel quite bad for our concept artists who drew them, like Paul uh, Bradley. He he's like he's one who sort of came up with those concepts and really made them work. And I just sort of brought them to life. Um, so I just to uh, give Paul 
a uh, bit of a shout out there. Absolutely <laughs> uh, hero. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's got some really good designs. <clears throat> yeah, that's really it's really cool. Just seeing like the different variants because obviously like they're the same. They're still the same tools, right, in the game, but like yeah, different yeah, skins like with a, themes. A and... weapon like mesh skin, yeah. So um, it's been really good to do stuff like that because it just I mean because Rust is so old now. It's like a really old game. It's like ten years old, <laughs> and um, it's like well nine to ten years old and. It's like being able to go back to old weapons and refresh them in such a unique way is, is so nice. It does. You do get that issue, though, where you sort of look at the old weapons and see how dated they are, though. That's that's the only issue. Yeah, we have that a lot, um, CIG as well, like, because it's been in development so long, we have a lot of assets that we'll come back to, and it's like, you know, something that was made 10 years ago to different specifications and you know obviously the the tech gets better over time the the hardware gets yeah. better over time and you know something that was cutting edge back then is like you know terrible now <laughs> yeah so, well, when we when I started on rust it was like we weren't even using pbr workflow and so there is a a contention with that with the artwork how were um, that's <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's all right. I was just going to say it's, and that's you know an issue that you've got to try and get around without um, destroying it for game creators. I was going to say from from the perspective of it being ten years old, like I guess that probably comes with a lot of technical challenges, right, when implementing new content and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean it. it only really only gets better we're allowed to do more things essentially because people's hardware typically gets better over time mm-hmm. uh, the average um you know the specs get get um a lot more powerful so you are you are you are sort of allowed to do more things but it that just makes things worse for older assets um <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, i'm sure you're fully aware of that so like whenever I play, I usually just play the the vanilla experience. So I don't never really. Uh, I haven't played it in a while because usually I, I have to jump on when the friend group jumps on, and they go through phases yeah. where they like play it for like a few weeks non-stop, and then they'll get burnt out because <laughs> it's like a full-time job, like trying to <laughs> trying to maintain it a base is. on a server, and then uh... it's a dangerous game because once you start <clears throat> playing, it's kind of like I I need to stop. I want to stop, but how do I? Because you've you know you've looted all this this awesome uh, stuff and like you want to protect it, but you know you you've got you know, your finger in your mouth like trying to think, like you bite your nails like am I going to wake up to uh, <laughs> all my stuff gone raided, and so it's actually quite hard to play um, solo because I feel like that that feeling is intensified, but yeah. I kind of like that though. I, I love the dynamic though, like. It, you know, a lot of, I, I see, um, I can't remember what YouTube I watch, but um, there was a dude that used to basically just play solo constantly. And uh, he would like, it basically solo like clans. And he'd like oh. raid clans and he'd, he'd do these mad, like cool. mad scenarios, series to hero scenarios. I can't remember what his name was, but um, yeah, I used to watch loads of those videos because like, I kind of love 
seeing like the kind of underdog stories that come from from yeah, that. Yeah, I was just you know? about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much like a. <laughs> I'm I'm awful at it. So like you know, even with all the gear. I'll still get outskilled by someone with a rock, like somehow. Well, you know the the like the hardcore Rust fan base. They're they're really good at the game, and they're so loyal to the game. Even though, I mean, it's kind of depressing reading Twitter sometimes because you'll hear their hatred of the game, and yet they still play, and yeah. they they produce some amazing content, um, some awesome like. And there's a whole like I follow like a whole plethora of of um of YouTubers that just solely main Rust and they do like hour, hour and a half, sometimes even two hour movies where, you know, they've got all, sometimes it's scripted, sometimes not, but I mean, it's just, it's really awesome to see, honestly. Pretty just, amazing. Communities around these big games, like even, even though there's a lot of like hatred out there for some of it, it's, I think it all comes from like a place of love, like deep down. But deep, definitely very deep down. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, though it's a uh, Rust's definitely one of the, I one of the most prominent communities. I think I see a lot, and there's a lot of. It's one of those games that give the players a lot of tools to be able to create content like that as well, because it is a, a sandbox as pretty much yeah. as well. Anyway, so, it, so yeah, it is. It, it's um, I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to deliver. Um, in Rust, there's there's so much to do. It's kind of overwhelming, actually. <clears throat> I think it's um, pretty rare. I think it's pretty rare to see like someone that that's actually been there, like the the full stint, like to see it from you know its early beginnings to where it is now. That must be an amazing feeling to yeah, see all that it, hard work pay off in this way. Like it does, and even like I mean, I was you know it was there. I was there when it was basically you know you could say a Daisy clone. There was zombies in it. There was no building mechanic or anything like that until um, we added it in, and then got rid of the zombies, and it just became its own sort of beast that just snowballed, and people just fell in love with it. And it's it's one of those weird things. Like even though I'm really proud of where it's come and how far it's come. I can't help but f- have that um, uh, imposter syndrome still, even to this day, with it. Um, yeah, it's 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 something that's really hard to shake, actually. Um, even even after all this time, um, I think it's because you know how the sausage is made. Yeah, it's, it's, you don't <laughs> you, you don't really want people to see the true uh, like the behind the scenes almost. <laughs> to see what it actually you know what it is like but um i don't know if that makes sense maybe it does um are you, are you, are you, in reference to like other artists around you or other games around you or just like well like i mean whenever i make something like a weapon or a prop or something in my mind i'm always thinking Oh gosh, I don't know if this is up to scratch. Like, I don't know if like people are going to enjoy this or what. What they're going to say. Um. And. And then sometimes, you know, and they end up like either loving it, you know, like really, really enjoying it, and think the art is awesome, or the community will, will say like, "Oh, this this looks awesome," but 
we don't think like someone might say oh, i don't think it's appropriate for for rust it's just going to make things harder or or whatever and so it's like it's yeah it's kind of a, a mix between you know what other artists will, will think of your own work and what the community will think because it is they're two different things really yeah and um, because other artists know exactly or have a really good idea how something is made whereas the community will just be blown away by it but are really concerned about the gameplay implications of it yeah i i, I relate to that 100 percent um back back in the day when i worked on ghost recon um <clears throat> we'd create like a weapon and i'd be like so so happy with the art and then you know the community would be like more concerned about like you know uh ammo capacity and stuff and <laughs> or this magazine has like it's only meant to have this many rounds in it but the designers in the game have like boosted it up to like i don't know an extra 10 yeah. rounds and the community will just shell your work like <laughs> they're like this yeah. is completely yeah. wrong and unbalanced like how could you publish this in this state and i'm just like you know and then on the flip side you know maybe something you've you've you made something that um you know isn't you, you feel isn't to the same kind of artistic standard as the current industry but you've had to do it for gameplay reasons or, or whatever um, yeah yeah or for for limitation reasons like uh a big thing for me at ubisoft was um we were very limited in the way that we could do our textures um mm. so i wasn't really happy with my texturing at, at that time I heard about that on a previous podcast, actually. <coughs> oh, <And> yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not scared. Blown away. <laughs> I, I was like, dude, how, how, why, why and how did you yeah. get through that? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, I think it's, I think it's something very common to um, a lot of artists is dealing with the limitations of your project uh, and what you could do as an artist, because I think sometimes the, the line could be really blurred. You might be yeah. capable of something um, as an artist outside of work, but you're just not able to like do it for that job for whatever reason, whether that be like tech limitations, um, hardware limitations. Mm. You know, I can only imagine what uh, <clears throat> you know. Imagine if you're working on like a Wii game or something like. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something along no, those lines, like uh, I kind of feel like I'm just glad I wasn't around in like making art <clears throat> for, for that sort of spec. I'm just glad I wasn't around, and I feel I would I would have felt so limited. But that's only because I'm coming from the position that I am now, where you're a bit more free to do things artistically and to really push the boundaries of hardware. It's uh, awesome. You can do a yeah. Because you can do a lot with the hardware that we have today, like from the PS5 to PCs. It's crazy what, what people do now. When I first yeah. um, when I first joined the industry, like there was a lot of concern over poly count and stuff like that. <clears throat> but now yeah. it's kind of just like, you know, there's still a, obviously like a benchmark level you need to hit, but it's mm. nowhere near as prevalent. And No, no. I've never... Especially for view models. Yeah, exactly. Um and I've I've never worked um, in a non PBR workflow, apart from at uni. So, and when you mentioned earlier that um, you weren't even doing PBR like at the beginning, 
back at the beginning uh, of the project. Oh gosh, that's made me feel old. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think that you know the days before, like you know, um, substance painter and stuff like that, yeah. where everything well, was done you, in Photoshop and yeah, because that's that's the background <clears throat> that I came from, and then with within Photoshop. There was, I'm not sure if you remember it or heard of it, DDO and NDO. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I saw that, you know what I said? That's cheating. <laughs> That's illegal. I said, no, we'll never do that. Yeah, you can't do that. That's not right. Then I started to do it. But you could you could tell, like, the artwork that used DDO, you could tell the artwork that used it, and it was really obvious. Yeah. I think it's because of the generators. Um, and then Substance Painter came along, and that just completely revolutionised the whole workflow. Um, and you know PBR along with that, and yeah, it was it was honestly quite. After I realised that this was actually a really good thing, and it wasn't actually cheating, and this was the next step and the next evolution in 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 how you create your artwork. Yeah. Um it was it enabled you to do more and quicker. It was just amazing. Do you think so so this is like a, a big controversial topic at the moment, <laughs> but uh with the emergence of the whole AI art scene. Oh, don't get me started. Do you think <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I mean I obviously I've seen like all the all the stuff going down on Twitter and stuff like that, or, or X, yeah. whatever it's called now. Elon, please. Um, <laughs> do you think will <clears throat> do you think AI will enable enable us to have tools that are going to enhance our job in the future? See, I got asked this or... question by um, uh, a certain magazine, online magazine, and they never published my answer, uh, and I never got an answer back why they didn't. I think they were maybe looking for someone who was a bit biased. <laughs> yeah, and a bit wary of things. And I wasn't at all because uh, it, it was an opportunity for me to look into the whole situation. And um, on one front, like, I, I think it it will enable, enable us to have tools that will further artwork. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever think, I can never imagine a future where we will destroy the fun aspects of work and leave us to do all the boring stuff. I can never imagine that future. I just don't think we're that cruel to ourselves. Um, I like to think we're not. <laughs> I like to think we're not now, but yeah. I, I just, I just, I just can't imagine that ever happening, honestly. Um, yeah. And it, there's, you know, the whole legal side to um, AI as well. Like if, if we used, an AI tool to produce or help produce um, Master Chief, for example, in Halo. Um, who would own the rights to that? Because currently you cannot copyright um, artwork produced through AI. Yeah. Um, it, it, it violates a, a couple of um, laws, EU laws and US laws um, of like... I think they put it down as like divine inspiration or something like that. Uh, divine, having a divine, divinely given mind. Well, I'll have to look it up again, but 
Um, there's almost no way that they could get around that essentially through using AI. So a, I'm quite optimistic, honestly. Yeah, <clears throat> it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a weird topic because, to be honest, I feel like it's happened so so quickly that the world barely has had any time to react to it. Like it sort of just happened. Like in my head, I always Very imagine cool. there'd be like some government bunker somewhere like (laughs) you know making ai tech and and discussing it and like you know if we unleash this this will end you know skynet everything all that stuff yeah but now some company just made it (laughs) and now now it's rampant yeah it's on the internet already (laughs) you can go and like it's like um there's a lot of writers and there's like like a lot of uh youtubers talking about like side hustles and stuff and and they're like oh i do writing on the side and it's like oh wow okay what what does that involve? Oh, I just go on chat GPT and I, I ask oh, it to write a uh, couple of paragraphs for like websites and stuff and then sell, sell it to, um, to companies and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's just mental to me oh. that like that there's a lot of that going on. And that's the bit that shocks me the most. It's just, yeah. So it, ma- it, I imagine there's so many uses where you could use that to do stuff, but at the same time, there it, is like, it, the problem, one of because I, I tried to do an example for um, for the magazine, because I actually tried to use it in production as an example. So when I was making the train carts, uh, mm-hmm. um, was uh, no, it was the uh, the ca- the casino on the on the work cart or whatever it was, back of a train. Um, I wanted to do some graffiti, and I didn't want to bother the uh, graphic designer or one of the concept artists. So I thought, oh, I'll just try it in um, whatever it was that I was using. I can't remember what it was now. Maybe stable diffusion or something. And because it's not really good at producing language, the the graffiti was just gobbledygook. It was unusable completely. Um, so, like, I mean... <sighs> There's there's lots of hurdles that it has to get through, but I don't think I mean the ways that I can see it helping us as a three D artist in the industry is AI sort of helping with stuff with like UV packing, finding an optimal UV space without <clears throat> having to do it manually. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would love that. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, even probably. Um, from actual, the actual packing to the UVing, I reckon I think that will be a use case for it. Um, maybe even like AI generators for a Substance Painter um, to make them a bit more unique, rather than being quite generic. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're ex- they must be experimenting that kind of stuff already, right? Because <clears throat> Adobe's already oh. done like a an AI tool in photoshop hasn't it i think oh yeah that, that that's so. wild i had a go of that i i'm my little <laughs> side hustle is um i do wedding photography and um, mainly for friends and um uh, i've been editing some photos in, in my spare time uh for this couple and i just wanted to see what a, a crown like a, a flower crown would look like on her head because she didn't she wasn't wearing one uh-huh. and it did it and it was just amazing but yeah, I'll, 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 in fact, see if I can send you a, I think a Photoshop, well, AI Photoshop, uh, a monkey on the side of the dad's shoulder. 
I was like, can I slip this one in? <laughs> Just start adding random items in. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but that's, that's, now. that's dangerous. Uh, I'll send it you now, actually, on, on Discord. Just thinking of all the implications if it gets... Oh, yeah. All right. That, that doesn't exactly pass, but... <laughs> I was just thinking, like, you imagine, like, a picture of a UN summit or something. Like, oh, I've just AI generated a gun in there. Like, that person yeah, carrying a gun. I mean, with, you know, with the workflows that we go through for weapons and props and stuff like that, like, it's hard for me to see how that AI generating a mesh would cope with those kind of real nitty gritty limitations that we, yeah. and specifications that we have to go through. Um, you know, it, it'd be really like, <clears throat> will it be able to create um, the inner parts of a gun and not just the outside? I have yeah. no idea. Maybe, maybe, but yeah. It's complex stuff. I don't, so I don't think anyone has, Yeah, I just don't think anyone will have anything to worry about. Honestly, it doesn't concern me in the slightest. So we talked about kind of current day stuff and a bit about your your history at the studio. Mm. Um, let's let's dial it back, sure. all the way back. Uh, okay. So long ago. No, I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm only 32, man. But, I'm only 32. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I had my 27th birthday the other day, and I I was freaking out about that. So oh, happy birthday, man. Oh, I can't wait to get older. It scares me. Do you know what? I was 26, didn't bat an eyelid. 27. Suddenly, that really? feels that feels very. I don't know why, but. Because twenty seven's closer to thirty than twenty six is, and it kind of like is that almost that middle point, right? But my yeah. mind is just like, oh my god, I've done nothing. <laughs> You've done nothing. No, nah. Obviously, oh. I've not done nothing. But the way my brain reacts to it, it's the first birthday yeah. I've had where I've I've actually been like, oh shit, like time is passing. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole quarter life crisis thing, like. I, I, I don't. It's I really hard. Worry me in the slightest. Um, I have no worries about that at all. I think it only extends to my family, though, and being able to provide for them personally. Like three young children, like it's that's the only time where Ooh. I felt um a bit more insecure about my job because I just don't want to lose it because I don't want to not be able to provide for them. If that makes sense. If I was on my own, <laughs> it'd be a totally different story. But, yeah, so dial it all the way back. Yeah, I just so think back to your earliest memory of wanting to, to work in games. Like, when was that? And, and yeah, how did you get started? Like, Yeah, so actually it's, it's quite an interesting one, honestly, because I had no interest in getting into the games industry until I realised that I didn't want to be a police officer. <laughs> well, hang on. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. What do you mean? Hold up. All right, all right. Yeah, so... Forget a game dev. Let's hang, let's go back a bit. Yeah, okay. So, let's go. Um, I, I remember being walked to school by my dad, primary school, I was pretty young. And I just had this weird thought in my head that I said out loud to my dad. I was just like, Dad, I really want to be a robber. 
<laughs> as the Mancunians say, a robber. Um, and um, my dad was just like, what? No. Tom, you want to be someone good who protects and helps people. Be a policeman. Yeah, you, you catch the robbers. You be a policeman. I was like, all right, dad. Yeah, I'll be a policeman. <laughs> and so, like, ever since then, like, growing up, I, I, I always wanted to be a police officer and catch the bad guys, protect people, you know, all that sort of good stuff, be a detective or whatever. Um, and so everything that I did sort of was geared towards that. And it kind of led me wanting to go into the army as well and to do something for that. Um, and I joined the army cadets and uh, uh, preemptively to uh, get an idea, a little taste of, of, of the, the structure that would be involved. Um, and it was a weird one because um, I I got really heavily into skateboarding and I was going out with two of my friends to Manchester to go skate. And uh, before we even got on the Met, um, one of my friends got run over by a car and, you know, he flipped over. It's pretty, pretty horrible, honestly. And I remember, I think he broke both his legs. Jeez. One of them was one of them was definitely broke because it was shorter when it was healed, so he had a bit of a limp. Um, and he was already quite small, so it was it was quite devastating for Jeez. him. Um, and I I remember him being on the floor, like crying out for me and my other friend called Tom, and just I it's, it's always remained with me. And I you know kind of you know I guess you could say this is quite uh, innocent or an immature way of thinking of things, but I sort of decided that I didn't want to inflict any pain that would cause someone to feel like that. Yeah. Even in a, a, in a stance of protection, trying to protect other people. Kind of immature because I, you know, I definitely have a different view of that now that I've got a family. Um, I mean, seeing something like that happen does, like, change you, as cliche as that does, sounds. Yeah. No, it does, yeah. And so... I dropped out of army cadets, but I was still wanting to be a police officer. And it's only until, you know, I signed up for uniform services after school. And when I went to the induction day, um, I had to do some fitness tests and all this other stuff. I was introduced to everything and it was all good, all fine. But I noticed that there were people there that I didn't really want to be around because I, I was I was bullied quite a bit in secondary school and leaving secondary school I felt like I'd left that behind yeah and I could have a fresh start and there were some people there that I knew I wouldn't get along with and so when my dad picked me up I was just like this ain't worth it I, I'm not I'm not willing to do this I don't want to do this I don't think I, prop, I actually told him why I didn't want to do it it's because I didn't want to be around these people um, and so my dad was, you know, really old school. If you don't have a trade in you or, um, okay, I guess a normal job. Yeah. Um, he, he wouldn't really understand it or he didn't seem to approve all that much. Um, but he was supportive and he just asked me like, okay, then, right. Well, what is it that you want to do then? If not a police officer, and I was just like, I sort of shrugged and I was like, I kind of like games. I mean, I love playing games. And he was like, games? What do you mean games? I was like, you know, like the games that I play. 
I was like, really? I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to do something. I, like, I love narrative and story and stories that they tell uh, maybe something like that. I have zero art background at all at this point. Zilch. Um, and he's like, okay, well, do you know of any courses? I'm like, and it's a blank slate. I knew nothing at 16 years old of this whole world that I kind of wanted to get into and look at. And and so, like, I started to Google courses and stuff like that. And there was one, uh, I think it's called uh, Manchester University now, but it was, it was called Mancat Manchester College. And um, I applied there and there was an induction day and coming up. And so I was kind of like, oh, man, I've got to really impress them. I feel like I need to impress them. So got to do something. So I think I Googled, like, how, where do I begin with making games? And I think maybe an advert or whatever it came up with on the Google results for Maya. And so I downloaded like a trial version of Maya and I just, I was so confused. Like I didn't know what I was looking at when I opened it up and I saw some spiral, a cube in the UI didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't. I'm not really. I wasn't really tech savvy, let's say, uh, or knowledgeable back then at all. And I tried. I think I tried making a a cone, and it wasn't. I thought I had to draw it on the screen. It was just a completely different world to me altogether. Um, and I, but I was just blown away because I, I was like, "This is what games are made in." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is what they met, used to make games. And I remember pulling my dad over. I was like, Dad, look. He's like, what is it? I was like, it's called Maya. Maya. And he's like, what's that? I was like, this is what they make games in, Dad. This is what they use to like, program and do stuff. I think that's like, <laughs> Blender's better. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me on that already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I got really confused by Maya. And so... Uh, I must have Googled an alternative, but um, I found Google SketchUp. Yes. And that was so easy to get to grips with as someone who is like a complete noob, uh, an absolute rookie, like clean slate for making art for games. That was really easy to get up to grips with. Uh, And um, like... I love skateboarding, and so naturally, I just made skateboard parks. It just felt like an extension of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like the the park creator. It just felt like, yeah, I can do this for real. I'm actually going to make a skateboard park. Uh, so what I did was I um, I printed out screenshots of these skate parks I made in SketchUp. <laughs> um, not SketchUp. Uh, yeah, Google SketchUp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um came to the induction day where i met the tutors and i was like just like this is what i've got to sh- and spread it spread it on the table in front of them to impress them and uh the tutor that i, I was speaking to geo norris if he's ever going to listen to this hello i miss you dude um well, awesome content yeah man he was a really good tutor uh we used to talk about metal gear solid 4 a lot I think we were all addicted to that game. <laughs> but, um, yeah. 
Uh, and he was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. And I thought it was like, is am I accepted to the course now sort of thing? But I already was. So, yeah. Um, then I, w- I got... So I sort of fell in love with making 3D stuff through that. And um, I used to upload my artwork to DeviantArt and stuff like that. Really rookie stuff, like really bad, terrible, like renders with V-Ray in 3ds Max. So I learned how to use 3ds Max in in college. And I, I just loved it. I just didn't, I just wanted to do it all the time. And my dad thought, like, I was just wasting away in my bedroom. But I was making stuff constantly, all the time. And it's something that I noticed that other students didn't do. They weren't as passionate about making artwork as I was. And it did show in their own own work. Um, and actually, um, they didn't. Some of the students didn't like me for some reason. Um, I don't know whether that was uh, a form of jealousy or not, but um, <clears throat> you used to always hate on me for whatever reason. And I, I was just concerned about doing artwork. Like I just, what I just, my my focus was all in on on doing three D. Like this was it for me. Like it really clicked with me. Um. And then, uh, and I was making random stuff from like skateboards to swords and flowing um, islands, really terrible stuff. Um, But one thing that I did do, which I found to help me a lot is on DeviantArt, um, looking at game development artwork. I found an artist who I'm still really good friends with today, like really good friends with actually, uh, Dan Conroy. Um, I was amazed by the stuff that he did. And I looked at his wireframes and I was even more blown away that he managed to have so much detail in the model with such little geometry. Because I, I heard about normal maps, heard about the baking process and whatnot, but uh, not the baking process, like doing the normals and uh, in Photoshop and all and all that sort of good stuff. I think, that, yeah, you could bake then. Pretty sure in X normal. Oh, uh, good it's going Gosh, terrible! It's like playing a game, trying to get that cage sorted out. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I, what I literally did. And this is this is a really good tip for anyone listening who wants to get better at the artwork. I, I found someone who I really admired, and I tried to copy their artwork in, in terms of structurally how they they came to like how they structured the artwork, how they um, how they modelled stuff, and how they unwrapped. And I I really grilled Dan uh, to the point where. I felt like I was improving enough and he brought me on to do um, a little mod um, called 1945, I think it was, or 1985. He's going to kill me for not remembering. Um, But nothing really came about that. It was just a a really nice little tight-knit community where there's just a handful of us just modeling and making stuff and had 
little meetings here and there where what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go with this. It never went anywhere, but it was a nice ex- experience, uh, nevertheless. And you know, some of those had real um, army experience as well. So, and that because that was um, tied into the theme of the the project. Um, but yeah, and so I did all right from that course. Um, I think I I won some sort of award. I can't really remember now. Something like excellent progress reward uh, award or something like that uh, for 3D modeling towards the end of the, the course. Um, and then I went to uni- Salford University after that, studying game development. And yeah, that was an interesting experience uh, because I felt like I had more, I'd better learning from places like YouTube and Polycount and CG Hub than the actual course. You felt like you had already out learned it sort of thing. Sure, yeah, I mean, one of our teach, 3D teachers, so we had a 3D art teacher that wasn't a 3D artist, he was a 2D artist, and he had printouts of YouTube tutorials that told us to do it, to do them. So, like, you could you can already tell how I felt about that um, as someone who wanted to learn more 3D. Um just go into lecture like I've already watched that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah watched that one two years ago, what do you mean? Yeah. But um yeah, I got quite involved with the Polycount Forum, which was just absolutely amazing. And I really do miss it actually. And I, I was still sort of uh, I was still a, a characterized, want to be characterized then. And so I would quite frequently um just do a short one hour a speed sculpts of like heads and busts and then just post it in the speed sculpting uh, part of the forum or go on the you know the way while what you're working on uh, forum and post and get feedback from people and like it's a really good vibe it was awesome really really good I guess the equivalent now is discord communities right yeah, uh, forums aren't really a thing anymore. It's a, it's a real shame. Like I feel like so so when I when I was going for uni, polycount we used a little bit, but it I, f- I feel like it's started to trail off quite a bit because I I hear a lot of people talking about the glory days of uh like polycount and stuff. Um, yeah, I always feel like there's a bit of a gap there. Like we've got all these segmented communities on Discord and stuff, but. Maybe maybe someone needs to to make just make a social network for for artists. Yeah, we can have yeah. our own version of Twitter or something. Just three D. Yeah. Well, we got ArtStation, but <laughs> maybe we need like a more interactive version of that. I mean, if ArtStation had a forum, that might be a good thing. Yeah, they've got the yeah. uh, the challenges, but like, yeah, maybe maybe. And that's Let's sort of integrated with blogs or something like that. Yeah. Um, but Definitely yeah, like I, I found like the polycount forum because there wasn't really any, any alternative. I found that really helpful. Actually, what I used to do was, uh, jump in in Google, um, meetings with other way more experienced artists than myself. And I just used to watch them like sculpt 
um that's a shame I can't remember remember their names now though, but um that they were I used to follow a few artists and like essentially do the same that what I did with Dan is like just try and emulate them. And because I don't feel like I'm naturally talented as an artist. I feel like I've had to put a lot of graft in. I feel a that lot way. of hard work. I feel like a it's like if I did 2D drawing, I'm really bad at it, but I feel like Same. there's something about 3D where, because I've seen it being done a few times, I I then learn those tools and then that enhances my work. Uh, yeah. And I just, it, it clicks like, a lot more yeah. in my head. See. It does. Like it, I can't interpret shapes in 2D, but I can in 3D. Yeah. I can um, sort of like bring them to life in 3d a lot better but um yeah so i did well in uh university got top marks all that sort of good stuff passed with flying colors distinctions all that all that sort of stuff and i wasn't a very good artist then i was a you know really bad character artist and that really came to uh, fruition to you know to my understanding that I wasn't actually that good despite what my my marks at university <laughs> told me that I was a good artist well it didn't really tell me that really it just said that I, I met the criteria and I passed uh, more than you know better than other people but when it came to my actual artwork I was completely unemployable and I wasn't prepared for that at all Mood. Um, <laughs> um, and they didn't they they didn't prepare me for that and they sort of chalked it down to being it's a really competitive um competitive industry. But I think that's just a bad excuse, honestly, for for not preparing you properly. Um and my nephew who grew up watching me make artwork for games and g- going to university and learning about it. He's now at uni doing the same thing because he he what he wanted he wants to be like me not be like me but to do the same thing like I'm doing yeah and be a character artist and I tell him and I tell him every time and if he's listening to this Leon I'm going to tell you again <laughs> like it's extremely competitive and the reason why it's extremely competitive is because you've got to be the best that you can out of everyone be as Try and be better than everyone, you know, in a way, or as good as everyone else, <clears throat> if that makes sense. You can't just coast by, especially in the learning phase. You have to excel. You have to push it. You have to put everything in on um, your artwork. Go, it's- like, 100% on it, all your effort. Forget social life for a little bit. Have a bit of a social life, but be serious about it. Because there are people in my uni course who, who used to speak to me and say, why haven't I learned that? Why haven't they taught me that that particular thing about artwork, that, that this process? And I said to them, it's because I did it my own time. I didn't just like goof off in my summer break. I, I, like, I, you know, I did the, you know, I did the hard I want to say the hard time, like it's prison or something. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I did really... my time. <laughs> I did I, my time. I was a robber after all. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you've really got to get... I mean, yeah. at least for me, because I'm not naturally talented, so I, I had to do a lot of really hard graft um, and overcome a lot of challenges by myself. It's definitely uh, it's definitely not enough to just... Uh, the problem is, like, uh, school and uni, I, I managed to get through both of those, like, almost coasting. Like, I wasn't one to revise for exams or anything because I, I just... I just... It, it just... I just got lucky on the day most of the time. Um, I didn't get any <laughs> mad grades or anything, but I got I got C's mostly and some B's um, just by turning up. I just and, and when I got to uni, I was like, "Oh, this might be the same." But <clears throat> I spent a lot of time umming and ahhing at uni about what it was I wanted to do, and then by the time I chose, I didn't have enough time mm. to get good at it. Um, right. And yeah, it just kind of, I kind of realized at that point, you know, they, uni kind of gives you the pointers towards what you should be learning, but the content they provide isn't enough. It's way, we were talking about this at work today, actually. It's way too generic. Yeah. My course was 18,000 total, uh, which is probably cheap now in comparison to some courses. I was going to say, what, you got a deal, you got a deal of that. Oh my God. <laughs> But uh, I've been scammed, you know, <laughs> I I would definitely if you weigh up the cost of what uni costs versus a mentorship, like a a three month mentorship with an artist who is currently in the industry at the fraction of the price, I would do that instantly. If I knew that back then, I would have done that. Um. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. I would have done that. It's just tough with the. Uh, I, I think the thing that I loved about uni, one, I got to get away from home, have my first taste of independence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two. Uh, yeah, again, I got to get away from home. Three, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it. Even though it's like a, you know, it's a loan, it's still a very. It's probably the most generous loan you're ever gonna get. You're yeah, always going to be paying it back, but like, it's, well, it's, you're not going to have to pay after list. Thirty years, don't they say? Like after <clears throat> thirty years, you don't actually pay it back anymore. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think so. Like legally, uh, don't no, this isn't legal advice. Yeah, yeah. this is financial <laughs> advice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, you're not. It's not like a you know, if you took out a loan to like go do a mentorship or something, that would be a bad idea because like. You, yeah, there you, you have them come in to like repossess your parents' house or something. Oh like, yeah, that would be a bad that. idea. But yeah, um, I, I wasn't really prepared for the real world by my own university, and hopefully things have changed by then, by now. Um, and so when I got out of uni, you know, because I, I was told, oh yeah, you, you know, you're going to get offers and stuff like that. I got nothing. I got turned down from absolutely everywhere. For any, for every single position that I applied for, I got turned down for every single one of them. I applied all over the world. I was being turned down by every single one. It was whoever's listening. I'm sorry, but this it was so depressing for me. Like I, I, it was like probably one of the darkest points of my life because I poured everything on this, sort of gambled on it, and I was slowly realizing that actually I'm an unemployable right now. Um, and so I was stuck in this weird phase where. I want to do this and I want to get better. So I would have 
sessions where I just like really knuckle down and try and work on stuff post um, art tests. You know, that they, they had like they had uh, splash damage character art tests and stuff like that that were public. Um, I would do those and post them on um, on Polycount and get feedback from people or like just the next character that I would make. I'll just post it on Polycount, get feedback from them, see where I could improve. Like, and they, sometimes they they were brutal, and that's kind of like what you need to hear. You need to hear the truth about your own artwork, otherwise you're going to be in this la la land. Like you you're doing good, uh, and you you're doing great when in reality you're unemployable. You're not doing a good job, and you need to do better. And uh, it was a big wake up call for me, massive one. Um. And like, um, like I said, it was quite a, a depressing time of my life. And then, um, probably out of the scope of the this podcast, but um, I came to uh, faith in Jesus then, uh, for, because of other things as well. And um, it was really weird. I, I sort of just uh, said to God, like, if I'm not meant to be a three D artist. Then I'm not meant to be a 3D artist, and I'm I'm fine with that. And I came to terms with that. And then next thing I know, I get um, an email from Gary Newman from Facepunch, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we like your work, um, but we don't know where you'd fit in." I'm like, "Hang on a minute, what is this? I don't remember sending an email to Facepunch. When I look back now, I do have an email, but I don't remember sending it. It's so bizarre." And um, I must have sent it, but I just don't remember sending it. Because I, I remember thinking, who's Face Punch? Like, who's Gary? <laughs> He's replying, uh, like, sorry, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, wrong email you got here. <laughs> but um, And then sort of things were um, snowballed from there, really. They, they took a punt on me. And, um, and I'm still here 10 years later. Uh, and it's been the most amazing journey I've ever been on. It's been awesome at Face Punch. Uh, it's kind of like, in fact, I've missed something out there. I actually joined a, a Kickstarter project as a character artist working on a project called Kung Fu Superstar, which is like a Kinect, um, a Kinect-based game where you do the Kung Fu moves. It was with a guy called... Costas uh, Seraphis. I, I can't. I, if you listen to this, Costas, I'm so sorry I butchered your name. But he works. He's like lead animator at um, Lionhead Games when they were around still. I think oh, it was nice. Lionhead Games. And uh, he was quite passionate about this project. And uh, yeah, I joined on and he gave me a really good reference when the Kickstarter failed. Uh, but he still gave me a really good uh, reference. Um, and that actually helped me a lot, and because I had some a, an actual project that was you know for game development under my belt, even though I never got paid for it or anything like that, it was still something. It was a it was a project that I was <coughs> a part of, and I think that's actually really key for um, any uh, sort of newcomers to the game dev world is that you've really got to get a project under you, like uh, work on something, uh, be a part of some sort of working community where you work together to make something. I guess that's what 
like universities almost for but um this was a much better uh scenario for me and um yeah so i got the the job it was kind of funny actually because um when gary was saying oh we don't know how you'd fit in what else can you do and i was like well i can make environment art stuff i can make weapons and i can make all this sort of stuff and he's like all right great okay um cool and i was, I was just like i think the company was so new then i, I just suggested i said to him uh I said, maybe I can do an art test. Do you want me to pick something out? And he's like, yeah, let's do that. Oh, no, I'll pick something out. It's like um, a torch asset. And then it was, I had to make some environment piece. I think I made a shed and some ground texture. And then he was like, yeah, you've got the job. And I, I remember the moment where I read those words that, let's, when he, he said, let's talk about money, like pay and stuff like that. I remember just like flinging my arms up, and at the, at the time I was I was living with my my sister, um, and I think she'd just come into the house, the flat, and um, I went yes, yes, finally, <laughs> and she's like what what? I was like I've got the job, and she was like so hyped for me. It was such a good vibe, uh. And oh, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm reliving it now. It was awesome. Such an awesome moment. So much struggle to get a job. And um, it finally, finally worked out. Um, and <laughs> when, when I asked for the location that was in Warsaw in Birmingham, I thought it read Warsaw. So I thought it was going to go to <laughs> Poland. Oh my god! I was like, "Oh, cool, okay." Because I can't pull it. What's up? Are you, you sorting the plane tickets or am I? Yeah. It's like what? Yeah, it was. Uh, and then I was like, oh, "Okay, maybe it's not that far." I was kind of good, but Mister um... <laughs> <Missed> International. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, how long? How long was it from finishing uni to that that job offer? It was just over a year. Yeah, I, I got rejected yeah. from everywhere. Like, when I was in that stage where I was sort of accepting not being able to um, to be a 3D artist, um, I started to apply to other jobs. I applied to be like a, 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 a shelf stacker at Tesco and got rejected for whatever reason. Maybe I was, I don't know, overqualified or whatever. But um, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting time, a hard time. But yeah. Uh, about a year and a, uh, just over a year when when I got accepted at Face Punch. I feel like the year is that that magic number. Like every everyone. Is it that... Same for you. So no, I, I I so I was unsuccessful in the UK. Uh, but oh, I, yeah, la- you, I landed one in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I went to Romania. I was like, I'm out. See you later, gang. Um, luckily, <laughs> like awesome, the yeah, the education system over there for like uh, digital art is non-existent, pretty much. Or it was when I went over. Like we we helped to run a some of the first um, digital art courses in Romania over there, which was really awesome. Um, but yeah, like UK rejected, rejected from like I, I must have applied for like forty roles, um, and yeah, uh, Romania got back to me. And I went out there for two years, so that was a really cool 
experience. Wow. But um, every, everyone that I know that's come out of uni and didn't have the portfolio, it usually took them around a year to basically like... I, I think it almost puts more of a fire underneath you once you've got that safety net of uni away from you. You kind of realise, yeah. oh shit, like... Yeah. I, I've got to like yeah. actually like the the longer I I don't put in the work, the longer I have to not do my dream job essentially. And not to say that people at uni don't don't do like a good job. Like I think it it takes people like with everything different amounts of times to do different things. Um, yeah, and everyone learns sure. at their own pace. So you know. Yeah, I think it lights that ultimate fire once you're out of uni and, and you get those rejections, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's it's so difficult, isn't it? Because, like, in fact, I actually skipped over a couple of things. Like, I did get a couple of interviews. One more. The one that I had was actually with... Um, I had two. One with um, the RuneScape. What, what are they called now? Uh, Jagex. Jagex, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe... My old age showing. Um, yeah, with Jagex and as a character artist. And I did a test for them that was a Transformers head. Um, I can't remember what Transformer it is now. Scream? Is that one of them? I think Starscream. Starscream, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I think I had to do um, his head hand painted. I did it hand painted for some reason. Um, and then I think they liked it and they invited me over for an interview. And I got there way too early, like at three hours early. <laughs> and I was just waiting around for ages, it felt like. And I was sort of like there thinking, oh, this is where, you know, maybe I'll go over there and I can meditate and read or whatever, like over there by the water. Or, you know, I'll go here for lunch. And I was just sort of planning my whole future there straight away oh. and when i when i got in and and like um i was met by the two that interviewed me uh i think it was baj singh and i can't remember the other guy's name it's i feel bad now but um and i had all these answers to all these questions that i thought they would ask me and everything went out the window complete blank on every question like for example, when they wanted just to get to know him, he's like, oh, what do you like like to do in your own time? I was like, oh, I, love, I love watching movies. And I think Barge was like, um, oh, yeah, what's your favorite movie? And I just couldn't think of anything. I felt like a liar, like a deceiver. Oh, yeah. Because I told him I like movies, and then I couldn't think of a single movie. Um, and it was so embarrassing, massively embarrassing. It, um, it's so terrifying, like... I don't know if you had many job interviews like before coming out of uni and stuff like, but if you've never done like a job interview before and then you go into like that scenario and you just, oh, it, it's like... It's so scary. It's like you're in someone else's body and you're just yeah. like, you're screaming, that you're is, like, oh, I know what I want to say, but... Yeah, that is a perfect analogy. Like, it is like being a, in another person's body. You're just not present. You have no control over your body. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, yeah, they sort of surprised me. It's like you were, you're actually interviewing for two jo uh, for two separate jobs. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, one for Transformers. 
I think that my no yeah one for Transformers and one for RuneScape. Um, I was like, oh sweet, because I used to play RuneScape quite a lot. As so that kind of excited me, and they said like, yeah, because it was that time where they they had they didn't use normal maps, they didn't use UVing, they just used um, vertex colors for the the texturing. Uh, so when I found out that they didn't use textures and they just used vertex colors, I was blown away. I was like, what? This is like so antiquated and old. Like, why would you? <laughs> like, like, yeah, so we're wanting to um, basically update the whole game and like use UV maps and normals and stuff like that. So I was like, okay. And I'm like, you want me to be part of that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're successful and stuff like that. But I got rejected from every single position. There. And then I had another interview um, with the Lego team uh, as a characterized as well. And um, they asked me to create a character. And uh, I made a character who was... The story behind him was that he was a dad who was an inventor and liked to invent stuff. And, which is so generic now <laughs> it. but um, that's what I envisioned and did and um, I passed um, the, the art test I went in for an interview and I think I was a lot better prepared for that one now that I knew what I was sort of getting myself in for and I thought I aced it honestly I, I really did um, and then they said that I didn't make it through the round Ooh. and when that's when I got the job at Face Punch, and three months into the job, I actually passed the probation period early, a month early. They were, they were really happy with what I was doing. Uh, and uh, Lego uh, rang, uh, emailed me asked, saying that they didn't work out with this, the candidate that they, they chose, and they, they would like for me to, if I was interested, to have the job. I think it was. And I was like, no, I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's always so cheeky when, like, something like that happens. It's like, oh, sorry, the, the dude we picked, like, we made the wrong choice. You fancy yeah. having a go? It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm gone. No, yeah, I'm gone. No, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so, so... I'm so... Well, at least you got, like, a, you know... I, I think it starts to get a bit better when at least you're getting some opportunities pop up. Like, yeah, because then at least you know you're not like you know it's not necessarily the work or you know it, it combination of luck and and your ability to interview well really for for some of it because yeah um, um, yeah go on sorry yeah I, I was just gonna say because obviously like you know if your arts are not good enough full stop then the likelihood of you even getting that position in the first place is like very slim. Oh yeah, big time. Um, and there's there's been times in interviews that I've conducted where um, you can in the art test you can spot that there's stuff not quite right with it, and so you you ask them about it, and you can see the the BS coming through. Yeah, big time. And all you want is them just to be honest and a genuine person, because part of the interview isn't always to see how good they are technically as an artist. It's how well they gel with the team and if they would get along with the team. And if they're BSing you in an interview, it's like, are they going to carry that through 
into their work, working with you, and they're going to say it to your face, and you know all that sort of stuff. And you don't want really want that in in a teammate. You want them to be honest and genuine. You need people to like own their mistakes. If there's mistakes in there, like talk about them. How would you improve them? Yeah. Like you know, I, if if we've spotted something, it's like <laughs> we know it's there. Like it's just confirming whether like you're gonna talk about how to improve <laughs> it or if you're gonna try and like swindle us. Like yeah, because we're not trying to you know like go haha. Like, you know, in your face, so like you did something wrong and make fun of you. It's not that at all. It's like, and even if they did make a mistake and they were honest about the mistake and like we had one candidate who's a junior now at, at Facepunch who did make some odd choices uh, geometry wise where it was a lot, a lot more denser in geometry in certain areas where it didn't need to be, where it could have been used in other areas. And he owned it. And he was such a genuine person, Alfie. If you listen to this, it's you, yeah. Uh, oh, I went uni with him. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Alfie okay. Birch, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and he, he was—he was a really genuine, like, nice guy, and uh, really gelled well with us. And yeah, he's a junior now at Face Punch. That went a long way, uh, actually. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, no. I think um, I don't know. It's just uh, the interviews I've been in. There, there's a lot of people that kind of try and suss out the system, uh, try and work out what's going on, and it's it's it is really just straightforward. It's will you be a good fit for the team? Are you bringing the right you know energy and yeah? Because you know you could be the most talented artist in the world, but if you know, you're not a good team player. You try to hide things, or you know, you're not you're not willing to discuss things. You know, it. it yeah. You become a difficult person to work with. Yeah, and you know what's interesting as well that I've noticed when you interview more senior artists, um, it's it's not so much of a case that we're just trying to see if they're a good fit for us. They're also seeing if we're a good fit for them. I think that you know that really shows in in seniority that comes to to light. Actually, it's quite an interesting dynamic that changes over time. I never, um, I never understood. Uh, well, I do now, but originally I never understood the whole "Are you a good fit for us?" kind of thing. Yeah, um, until you've actually been in that situation, then you understand. You know, if you've been, I've been to a few places now. And there is genuinely like a huge difference between different cultures at different places, and <clears throat> depending on like the team size and um, you know the scale of the project. If you're working with other teams, if you're working kind of more um, self-contained as a team, um, yeah. it really does vary. And like you know, there's been candidates that have genuinely been like super, super nice. Um, nice people they've got a really really awesome skill set but they just haven't been like a a fit for the team and sometimes mm. that does happen like yeah but so especially with um a larger company yeah for sure but you know what is interesting though like that i've noticed over the years because it, it it's 
it's really weird because I, uh, it's you know, I'm sure it's the same for you as well. But you know, I got rejected from. I'm not joking you. I would say every studio that exists. I applied. There's a there's a map. <laughs> studios. Have you seen that map? Yeah, I've used, used that map because you start, you basically get to yeah. the, the point where you start not recognizing the names yeah. and you're like, oh God, we are going yeah. deep here. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I applied to every single one of them. I'm not, I'm not actually kidding. Every single one of them got rejected by all of them or didn't hear it back from them. Um, Where am I going with this now? Uh, but yeah, now, and now like I get quite a lot of offers from a lot of those studios um you know over the, the past few years and it, it's really it it's quite it's crazy that's when i really felt the progression in my own artwork and the in the quality was when that started to happen when you start getting seeked uh, out by by other places yeah yeah i mean there was one company that said we want to steal you from face punch which was overwhelming for me honestly that felt really odd um but yeah now i'm still here <laughs> face punch. it's very hard to leave face punch i'm not gonna lie very very hard is that because they have a gun to your head or is that because you just genuinely <laughs> really enjoy it like uh i re- i honestly cannot imagine working at any other studio because not there isn't a studio quite like face punch um the ownership of your own artwork is just phenomenal and that's really important for for me as an artist and i think every artist that have has joined since have all felt it like they have ownership over their own artwork um there is in a, in a bigger company you'd probably feel like a bit of a cog in the machine unless you're like a lead or something yeah and where you you ha- it, it baffles my my mind to to hear of artists where they've only done the high poly sculpts of something or a segment of I mean I was looking at some artwork from God of War and it was a, a segment of a pillar that's in the game that he did and just the high poly I think it was or maybe the high poly and the texture and it just blew me away I was like what. Like, why? You're clearly an awesome artist. Why are you not, like, why taking all of it? Responsib- yeah. yeah. Like, what? Like, you. It, uh, it kind of makes me worried about ever leaving Face Punch because I never want to be a cog in the machine. I always want to have more ownership over things. And, like, I mean, I get to build weapons and vehicles and from, from start, from the whole process. It's very, very, very rare. Like, that do I ever have to p- pass this off to another artist to complete it? That would feel really weird for me. But I imagine for some artists, that's really normal. I mean, there's um, the new Star Wars art that just came out, and I was looking at all the art from that because it it's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I just started, I was looking through the posts, and it's it's a similar thing. Like, some of them are like you know, the full uh, asset start to finish. But then there's somewhere it's like a, you know, I I did the high poly for this or um, I did the texturing only for this or I did the low poly and UVs for this. Uh, 
And yeah, it's just it's just really strange to me. It's because for me, I've always had like quite a lot of ownership over everything I've done. I'm quite lucky in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just I can't imagine doing a high poly of something and then not taking that to final because that's like I almost feel like that's the hard bit, the hard bit done once the high poly is done. <laughs> yeah. Like the rest is just like therapy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of it, you know, uh, like lots and stuff like that, maybe you uh, <laughs> pass that off to someone else. But uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. Um, it's strange to me. Strange to me. So and it's kind of something that you know, as a lead. Um... Because I'm a lead over Rust and Sandbox, so two projects Jeez. at once. Um, I try and encourage um, the artists that I'm in charge of to have as much ownership over their own artwork in the project as much as possible. Um, How does it... So like... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, you, you go ahead. I was just going to ask about um, how how does... Is it hard to balance being a lead with, like, doing your own artwork? Because, obviously, at a larger company, a lead would be just kind of a manager and delegate a lot of the stuff. Whereas, um, at Face Punch, it sounds like you get to do a lot of art and also the lead role. Like, what's the kind of balance there? Like, Yeah, it is difficult um, because it's not just one project, it's two projects. And so the dynamic for each team is, you know, it's different. And also, I have a junior that I mentor when I think is it's necessary. I, I don't. I'm not like overbearing on him. I, I only feel I only interfere really and direct in artwork where I feel like it's completely necessary. I don't want to be overbearing, but yeah, um, having that sort of approach allows me to do my own artwork at the same time, and it seems to benefit was all because um if i was um you know i mean i think one of the aspects as well is that we don't have a crazy amount of people where my time would just be delegating tasks and in meetings and all that sort of stuff but because we're a fairly small team and i have what uh one let me just count it in my head. I think five artists um, under me that I lead. Um, well, I, I don't even want to say under me. I want to say, you know, I just lead like they're all capable artists. And, uh, you know, I, like, I want to give them as much freedom as I possibly can do. I don't want to get in the way and, you know, and stifle them. I want to give them the tools that they need. I want to see them grow. And if I feel like I need to step in and give direction and feedback, then I will. And that might just look like uh, me giving encouragements, saying, pointing them in the right direction. Like I think you, you know, you're doing really good at this, and you know, other people have said this that they really think you know, you're really doing great um, at the moment. Um, or it might be like just doing quite detailed um, either paint overs of artwork where I think that they could, you know, you're supplying more ref for them, like it's a bit more appropriate for artwork, for the artwork that, that they're doing. Um, and, you know, I might just do that first thing in the morning, just look over the tasks, see where they're at. And then once that's done, 
Um, I'll make sure if I've got any meetings coming up to be prepared for them or whatever. And then I'll just jump into my own tasks and get them done, basically. Um, and it seems to work. I'm enjoying it. It is a little bit stressful, but that's, you know, that's just the nature of the job. It comes with the territory. Um, and I, I hope uh, <laughs> the artists uh, that I lead think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I hope they do. Um, and, you know, I, I'm fully aware it's not about necessarily being the best artist, but it's about being able to communicate and to delegate and to do all that sort of stuff that most artists I don't think really want to do. <laughs> it's like, stay away from me. Just let me, just let me stay in my bubble and make art. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a perfectly valid thing to, to want, right? I mean, some people just love to create. Uh, I think that's what the principle, it might be different from other jobs, but a principal artist is for really. It's like you have that seniority of a leader lead artist but you don't want the responsibility of being a lead you just want to make art and then just be able to like mentor if possible at times you know and share your um your knowledge to the rest of the team and um i think that's a perfectly valid thing it's i think it's i think you know if i wasn't a lead i'd, I'd probably want to be a principal <clears throat> principal artist um, but yeah I'm at a kind of crossroads in my career at the moment where I'm I'm having to think about that a bit more because mm. I like the idea of being a lead <clears throat> but I don't like the idea of abandoning doing art and it's surprising how quick you forget things though isn't it yeah I mean this is the thing like uh I'm I'm kind of I already sometimes feel like I'm not so so a lot of the artwork I do at the moment I do a lot of uh quite technical stuff so it's like fairly simple art but with more kind of technical setup because that's kind yeah. of where my role has kind of taken me it's it's more um you know setting up interactable items and stuff like that um yeah but already just as a senior I felt I felt like I've kind of straying away from the art side of it a bit too much. So in my head, I'm like, oh, if I become a lead, I say goodbye to doing art, full stop. Like I'm gonna end up just like having to manage people <laughs> and and schedules and stuff. Uh, so yeah. it's something I'm having to think about a hell of a lot. Like, do I want to go down the principal route or do I want to go down the the lead route? Uh, yeah, because you don't. I mean, for me, I I wouldn't want to to leave the art behind because. I love it too much. For I sure. feel like I've sort of struck a real, like, I feel so blessed and fortunate to work here a bit uh, and to work on Rust because it's exactly my art style that I love doing. And that really inspires me. One of the games that inspired me the most is um, uh, The Last of Us. And to be able to do sort of that kind of, you know, apocalyptic weaponry sort of thing yeah. uh, in that sort of world almost. Uh, really hits. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say now? It, it's um, exactly where I want to be. So I don't really all that often do personal pieces um, because I'm doing exactly what I want to do right now for like ten years. I feel quite fortunate in that respect. Um, 
And you still feel that passionate even after all that time. Yeah, man. Honestly, uh, it's just the team that I work with, uh, the concepts that we get through, it's just like, I want to model that. I want to be the person who models that. <laughs> this looks awesome. I want to bring this to life. Um, and it's just there's so much stuff like that, that that's gone on over the years that I can't help but be passionate about it. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. But yeah, like, I mean, I, I started at Facebook as a character artist and I sort of transitioned to weapons and props. I, I think I, I realized in myself that I wasn't that great of a character artist. And I was very thankful for Taylor coming on board and taking that over from me. And I was onto weapons and props because um, that's where I felt like I actually flourished. I didn't feel panicked. I didn't feel anxious that I was doing a good jo- or bad job necessarily. Um, you know, this is where I felt like I could really tell a story properly in my own artwork, you know, drawing on a weapon and little arrows pointing to things and where the direction, where you have to point the weapon and um, like numbers that mean something to me or whatever like that, that, or just, you know, random stuff. Um, Yeah, it was, um, it's, it's pretty good. It's, I really love that side of artwork, actually more so than characters. I wish I started it sooner. What do you think has been your favourite piece of art so far? Oh, um, you know, I, I've I've been asked this quite a few times on, especially on when I used to stream on Twitch. Um, Why don't you stream anymore? I was watching your YouTube content and. Uh... Yeah, I noticed the tutorials are stopped. So what's going on with that? Why are you not yeah, sharing, sharing that juicy knowledge? <laughs> it's time, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, like when I first started streaming, my wife was pregnant, and um, and that sort of blew up the Twitch thing. I think at one point I had like sixteen thousand people watching me. Damn. Um, I think that was because of a Twitch drop thing and they uh, raided my thing, but there was like 16,000. I was kind of overwhelmed by that. That was wild. That was. Um, and so like, and I had a, and, and it sort of tailed off to a few thousand and then, you know, whatever. And then I had to stop because I just had a baby and I've got to go take care of this baby. Yeah. I don't have time for streaming. And then I picked it up again afterwards when I had more free time and, same thing happened. Had another baby, um, and yeah, it just sort of. And I got into this role, this more of a leadership role, and it just takes up all my time. Really, um, I don't have a lot of free time outside of taking care of my kids and my wife and doing work. Really, um, so it, that's that's it. Really, it's not that I don't enjoy it. it it's kind of it would be kind of hard to enjoy it now. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I'll be stressing over time, and trying to fit everything in along with streaming. Um, and with with YouTube tutorials, it's it's kind of the same deal. It's just getting the time to do it. You know, um, it's a lot of effort that goes into editing them. Yeah, um, I mean the production I mean, quality of your stuff is like <laughs> I like. I said this before we went live, but like I remember clicking through some of your videos, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the production quality, like the editing, the music, the 
everything <laughs> is just so well executed and it has such a unique right. style to it i um, appreciate that man that's cool but yeah i 100 percent. i i get it 100 percent. um part of the reason i started yeah. this podcast was because it's just audio you you know you're eliminating the visual element of it so it's not anywhere near as time consuming and then you kind of just turn yeah. up and record and the content just generates over that hour you know the editing won't take that long um no yeah and it you uh, know it, I mean, it's a great format so and like one of the reasons why i did the youtube stuff and i, I come from a position where like the knowledge that i share i don't i don't want to charge for even though i'm a big like fan of of the idea of people paying for a tutor to yeah. you know for their knowledge uh for like mentorships and stuff like that i, I really would highly recommend that for people who don't want to go uni um you know so but i i, I don't want to do that like i don't want to charge for my knowledge i'll just give it out when i think i've got something to share basically <clears throat> um so all that content on youtube i i did think about it like put it on gumroad or whatever or whatever the service that's like no i can't be bothered with that i know people won't probably pay for it or even on art station on the the paid tutorial stuff that you can do on there um just give it for free because you know i i learned a lot from youtubers who just put their knowledge on there for free so i'm like i'm gonna do the same I, I hope whatever i have to share benefits people um it's already helped me loads yeah. with Blender, to be honest. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, Blender's been a real kind of struggle for me, just because uh, obviously 3ds Max and Maya, there's like quite a lot of they've been around for a long time, and they've got a lot of resources built up and tutorials and stuff. But um, Blender, Blender also in a similar vein, but you know, there's there's a lot more kind of content coming out for that now. I think I think it's a lot more prevalent now um yeah. but yeah like just seeing some of your stuff i think the biggest thing for me was like seeing a lot of your kind of rust content and the kind of art style from that and seeing how you implement that for your own game it's like it's really interesting from that perspective it's something that um that transparency you don't get with other studios um no it's true and that was really evident in the twitch streams that i did actually hmm. there was a, a a huge consensus that this should be more of a normal thing that we should be able to see things being worked in progress like like i was doing because i was making like submarines in uh on twitch that hadn't been announced yet um i think i got into a little bit of trouble with that actually <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, and there's other things that I was making for us that I was streaming that I got permission for, and um, and yeah, and I just over time there was just so many people saying, "I wish other studios did this. I wish they were this transparent," and it really inspired a lot of people actually to get back into 3D. Yeah, and uh, I I've had a few messages from people saying like. Yeah, you know, I just want to say thanks because of your streams. You inspired me to get back into 3D and I've got my first job in the industry. So I just want to say thank you. Huge. And that's just, 
and yeah it's, it's amazing I, I don't like take any credit for that really i was just doing something random on twitch um and it just so happened to inspire someone to get back on that that um that train of you know effort putting the effort in and learning because because it is possible it is possible to get a job in, in the industry you've got to put that hard work in got to keep at it keep your head down and do the do the hard work and be as as best as you can do a bit can be yeah um, I'm, I'm really sad i missed the boat on those streams to be honest because uh <laughs> there's a i know there's a few people that regularly do it um like i know dynasty from ubisoft he does his streaming still he's probably i think he's probably like one of the most uh Long running ones. Um, he's so consistent with it, and it's awesome. He's a machine, I, dude. Honestly, like he's a machine. He's yeah. absolutely cracked. It's intimidating to be honest. I, I've been involved in that community <laughs> a few times, like, but I can I can never keep as consistent. But like, I always know that like I'll go there like on a Thursday or whatever day it was, um, and he'll be streaming without fail. And he's got such a following; it's mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, oh, I, oh, I miss it. I, I need I need more. Um, and yeah, it does. I, I think too many studios fall into this like this trap of a uh, you know even with even with our studio, our studio is very open development. Um, CIG does like a lot of you know we show a lot of our processes, but um, yeah. I'd love I so many artists to just tune in and watch like I don't know like uh, like someone at Naughty Dog or something. Imagine just watching you know one day a week. Uh, an environment yeah. artist or a, a character artist or a you know a prop artist just logs on one day a week four hours just streams themselves yeah. working <laughs> the amount so of uh oh my god i was choked then uh, the amount of uh, <laughs> so excited man. knowledge man yeah like oh someone needs to do it man i honestly uh the fact that your your studio like was supportive of that that that's insane um, yeah, there were there were that a few things that they had to yeah there was a few things that they had to clarify and get right because it was sort of uncharted territory for them. I just sort of did it, and they had to, and they sort of worked around it. And Gary was super supportive, and so was Helk and you know, the project lead. And um, yeah, there's some some issues um, surrounding it, and what I should or shouldn't reveal and stuff like that, and then. I think it kind of helped us really understand our own position and what we sh- should and shouldn't be showing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a good time, really good time. Um, I do wish I could do more of it because uh, I know a lot of people benefited from it, but it's just it's a consistency thing that I would struggle with consistently doing it. Yeah, it's really um, it's really tough. Like, um, I've, you know, keep going back to the podcast, but, like, yeah, it's just... I picked this because I knew it was something that I would be able to consistently get done just because of the time commitment. Cause it's not a huge time commitment. So it's like really easy to like, I mean, I was ill this week. We were going to record on Monday. It's now Friday, but yeah. having that flexibility to like push it back five days to recover to then yeah, be able to publish sure. it for this, this will go out on Monday. So I've still got time to like edit it and stuff and, you know, do what I need to do. Yeah. Get rid of your criminal backstory, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so with YouTube and Twitch, it's it's I think it's so much more. Um, I mean, Twitch, Twitch is like you press stream and you go, but 
again, it's the setting up the the audio for it, the video yeah. for it, wherever you're going to be doing it, like set, making sure that everything's like, you know, you don't have, you know, yeah, secrets you, on your dashboard. You yeah. can't be, you know, got to check all well, that stuff. You know, what was really interesting about that is that it, it really drains you socially. Like I was just doing ah, it for yeah. the stream. Just like I, I couldn't, it was difficult to speak. It was like, oh man, it was such a whirlwind like afterwards. And I think, you know, a character I start, um, our studio, Dan, he streamed for quite a bit. And I think he stopped after a little bit. He said, I don't know how you did it for so long, Tom, or whatever he said. So I just like, he was just so socially drained from chatting away and entertaining because that is that was a big worry for me as well like i don't want to be boring i don't want to be boring to watch you're constantly thinking about how you're being perceived while you're doing it as well it's yeah 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 i did Um, i did a live stream recently and i like (laughs) i was i said to the host i was like all right, don't talk to me because like I can't, I can't model and talk at the same time. Like I'm just gonna be padding around this model for like an hour if you keep asking me questions. So yeah, I mean it was yeah. an interesting time. Yeah, yeah. But whereas this, it's like it's awesome because you get to just chat with one person, you get to know them. The conversation is interesting because like it's two ways, right? It's yeah, sure. it's it's learning about someone. Whereas like Twitch is kind of like. You gotta have your eyes on the chat and on yeah. your work. You're reading it, and on but the it's time. Yeah. you know you can't have a an in depth conversation. You you'll you reply to someone like once or twice, and then move on to someone else. And you know, yeah. And the the repeated questions over and over and over again. <laughs> like one one of the most repeated questions that I had was, um, what, "What was your favorite piece of art?" <laughs> Oh, fuck. Really. oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> I really wasn't. No, really it's been so that. long since someone's asked me that. It's it's, it's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, on that question, actually, I actually don't know. There's been so many pieces that I've I've thoroughly enjoyed doing that it's actually genuinely really hard to to pick anything. It's a. Uh, uh, I mean, from from your recent work, I love the lantern, the, like the the underwater lantern that you, See, that you did i i just i like i don't know why but i never expected that to be more likes than anything else that's why i put it last in the art station because <laughs> i thought i thought you know the hatchet was the cool one. I, oh yeah i love the hatchet as well but like yeah though no, oh, i don't know there's just something about that set like um i've seen you i've seen the other work come up um bit by bit but i don't know what it was about the underwater set yeah. really really captured something because I, I looked at it and i was like this is sick like this is so like you've taken these like normal items that everyone's seen yeah and changed them into something completely different but like they had such they just look so good honestly um cheers i appreciate it man yeah they're really cool stuff i <laughs> i sat there i was like oh <laughs> got any jobs they, going? They, yeah <laughs> they they were um really quickly done actually relatively speaking i didn't spend a lot of time on these um that makes me feel terrible <laughs> terrible no, I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to say it in that way nah. uh, but just to give context to those um um uh, listening in let me try and actually find out how long it took me actually yeah and i'll um uh, I'll, I'll post your um 
portfolio in the description as well so that everyone oh, can check out your your amazing work. Um, let's see how long I did Torch for. Um, Diver Torch. We use, I don't know if I should say actually, because maybe someone will hack or something. <laughs> I only got uh, I got like two listeners a month, mate. Don't worry. That's <laughs> where um, um, so it pops off tomorrow. If you're here in this Rust community, so um, okay, I did the double horse saddle, and then I started on. I think it was on the Friday, maybe started on the block out. And the high poly, so I got into the high poly on in one day. And then by the end of next week I was in the baking process. And then I finished it the next week. I think that's quick, fairly quick, or not that long. Yeah, sounds, anyway. But, about um, right. Yeah, about right. Um I mean, there's some assets that I've done that maybe took a week and stuff like that, but that's like work. sometimes working weekends and to get it out on time. And, um, totally by choice, by the way. <laughs> not, not, um, yeah, we don't really have a... Uh, uh, I want to say we don't really have a culture of... I don't know, does, does crunch exist anymore? I don't know. I think some places it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I wasn't expecting to talk about that, uh, this, but yeah, I don't think there's really a culture of, um, cringe. It's pretty frowned upon now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think like, it, 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 it depends on if you, if it's done by choice or if it's forced on yeah. by the schedule, right? If you're enjoying like, something genuinely, yeah. then so like, me. Yeah, me personally, like, I, I love the artwork that I do. So I often find myself in, in the evenings after the kids have gone to bed and maybe my, my wife goes to bed quite early. Um, or she does whatever she wants to do, like, have her own free time. I'll just I'll just do work because I just want to. Yeah. I just like the, the artwork so much that I just want to do it when I can. Um. And that seems to work out quite well uh, for my current situation, at least. Wholesome content. <clears throat> I mean, when the artwork comes out looking like that, then it's worth it. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. You know what I wasn't that happy with entirely was the um, the assault rifle skin. Because I did a um, deep sea diver assault rifle with seaweed all over it and rope around the magazine and you know it's like some Aztec looking gold coin on the side uh, because we we had to use I had to use the old assault rifle um, mesh which is like what like eight years old and so having that contrast with new artwork was really difficult for me and so I don't, I don't really show it off in, in the art station post. Oh, I see what you've done. Uh, <laughs> That's cheeky, that is. Everyone, for context, all the other posts are like 
lit gorgeously and, and shown off and then at the bottom there's the uh it's like a silhouette almost <laughs> it was yeah. just a rim light <laughs> yeah just just one rim light from what i can yeah. see it look it looks good why don't you like that model that's a classic one it's just it? old it's just it is but it's just an old so many mistakes in it that i actually made a new version of it and you know i tried getting that in and it's just just a whole host of issues. Yeah. With like replacing that, and how do you do it? You don't want to mess up with skin creators and ruin that sort of economy for that asset and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare, really. It's not really a clean way of of going around it. Um, you're bound to you're bound to um, upset someone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at that axe now. I'm like, this is oh, so it's so clean. Well, it's not clean, Thank but, you, <laughs> very but nice. it, it looks very it looks amazing. It really looks. See, amazing. what I was really happy with on that was um, where you see like the sludgy moss towards yeah. the bottom of the wood. Like it was just a really simple trick, and I did it with the uh, the splinters on the wood. Yeah, where towards the edge, where literally you just cut triangles into the mesh and duplicate them and just tilt them basically and that's it so it, it copies oh, wow. the, the textures and materials but it's just offset see i want to see a breakdown for this axe man i want, well, I mean, I want I a full been, youtube have, tutorial go on <laughs> i have been approached by i think it was a game artist ah yeah dot net or where it is and they've, they've asked me to do an article for that and i've just got to find some time to yeah. get on these assets here so hopefully you can go delve into some of this that's something i'd love to see because there's so many parts of these props that are like you know you could have just stopped but you went and added like so much more uh <laughs> yeah well just... that was all all down to the concept really like one of my goals as especially like a weapon artist who or a prop artist that you know is working to concept my number one desire is to get it as close to the concept as possible. Get it as as so as close as possible that it's almost indistinguishable from the concept. And if there's aspects that don't work into in three D, that's in the two D concept, then work around that. There's been a few times where that's happened, where something's worked in two D but not necessarily three D, and I've had to replace something. And go to the concept artist Paul and say, "Hey, look, do you mind if I do this?" Blah blah blah. Uh, but Paul actually uses um, Blender now for like um, sort of like the initial stages of his concept to get the form and to see what works in in three D so it's accurate. Yeah, and that's actually super helpful. Uh, and it's like probably a really common thing actually for concept artists to use Blender. For the concept art, yeah, really, yeah, really common. A lot, a lot of people, um, a lot of concept guys at our work use it primarily. Uh, it's just, um, it's just great, especially when you've got like a, you know, when they start with like a three D mesh and then they do a paint over of it, and it's yeah. it's nice to have that foundation because obviously, like with two D, sometimes proportions can be off and things may not yeah. necessarily work. But mm. you're seeing a lot more concepts that are. 
you know, kind of rooted beginning in 3D and yeah, so it's awesome yeah. to see. Oftentimes I, I'll ask the concept artist for that base model that he actually created so I can sort of rejig it to be more yes, game ready and then build from it. Yeah. Um, and it's what I've been, what I, what I did with them, um, because I'm, I'm remaking the tool gun for sand, Sandbox, you and Gary's one, the, the classic tool gun. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a new version of that um, at the moment. And, um, you know, I specifically asked for the model that they use to paint over just so it's like exacts because i mean the tool gun is such an iconic item for gary's mod that i, I want to get it nailed to the concept that we really like so it's like i want it to be like an instant classic i want people to recognize it and know oh this is sandbox i know exactly where this is from it's a but big I'm really it's a big weight on your shoulders and it when it's already something so well known and established yeah a little bit to then go and have to change that it's terrifying um yeah so we're coming to the end of our time uh before before we round things out Mm. i gotta ask because yeah basically when we get to the end of these i always go back and i say right what what are three things that you wish you knew when you were younger or three pieces of advice you'd give to your younger self. Sorry, what was that? You, your voice was kind of breaking up then. Oh, dead. Um, three pieces of advice <laughs> uh, for you, that you'd give to your younger self, pretty much. Ooh, to my younger self. Yeah. Okay. One um, that isn't, you know, life a crime. Don't don't do crime. <laughs> hey, I, I haven't. Anyone listening? He's making it out like I'm some sort of criminal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for as as an artist. It can be as an artist. It could be, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Generic. Drink oat um, milk. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it could be. It doesn't have to be art re- relevant. It. it well, <clears throat> my my advice would be. It might be quite controversial because um, I've I've run into so few people who are Christians. But I, I mean, one thing I would have told myself much earlier was to get to know. Jesus a lot better. You know, speaking as an artist, seeing him who created all things, you know, whether your viewers and yourself, you know, agree with me or not, this is how, how I view things. Um, seeing him or knowing him as the one who created all things in the beautiful mountains and landscapes that we all take inspiration from. Um, I wish I knew I knew him a lot younger. I felt like it would have helped me a lot more. And to be grounded in as a um in the person that I wish I was when I was younger, especially as an artist. Um and to not be so precious over my own artwork, honestly. Uh I used to get so defensive over my own artwork. Um that was quite detrimental. I was quite scared of um, sharing my artwork in case I was absolutely crushed um, in the feedback because I had all my identity 
um, in being an artist. And I'm not just an artist, you know, I'm, I'm more than an artist. Uh, I've, you know, there's a lot, and whoever's listening to this, you know, there's a lot more to you than just being an artist. And I was, when I couldn't get a job, I was absolutely crushed. My dreams were shattered and I felt so low and depressed because I didn't really know who I, I was supposed to be if I wasn't supposed to be an artist. And that's why I say I wish I knew Jesus because it really grounded me in who um, I actually am in this world. And it's okay if I wasn't going to be an artist and that helped me actually become a better artist and, um, and not be so proud and so precious over stuff like my own artwork. Um, and I guess the last piece of advice really is to, for myself, is to delve deeper into art communities, get to know and network with other people and make good friendships. Because even though I've been doing this for 10 years, I don't have a lot of artist friends because I've not really been to other studios. I've not really networked in that way. I don't really know many people, honestly. Um, I've only really got to know people like yourself just because of Twitter or X, however you call it. So, you know, make real friendships and bond with other artists and get to know them and um, invest in them. And like, you'll just end up inspiring each other to do better and be better. And um, yeah, that's probably what I would say to myself my younger self, um, honestly. Beautifully said. Thank you. Like, that was actually, <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> I, ask some, I, I ask some people, they're like, I don't know. <laughs> don't do drugs. It's like, yeah. Don't do drugs, yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's Yeah, Yeah, that's always a good one. Um, yeah, no, beautifully said. Really, really beautifully said, I think. Um, that That's kind of the aim of this you know, podcast is to get to know people where they come from, you know, mm-hmm. um, habits, uh, and, and also, you know, not just the artwork, but you know, who they are outside of the artwork as well, um, or outside yeah. of the job role and, and, and learning, you know, what those origin stories are so that, you know, we can build that bigger picture of, of who we are as a community and, and. Yeah, because I have honestly felt it really useful to hear, other people's stories from your own podcast. Um, was it was it Dan that you had on um, after your first one, your second one? I mean, Dan was my first guest when I had... First guest, yeah. yeah. And hearing his story was awesome. Really, really cool. Clearly a talented guy um, to go through um, all those competitions and stuff like that. Competitions scared the heck out of me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I I think you have to have a, a certain mindset for it. And uh, I think Dan's mindset fits it perfectly. He's very, very competitive. But um, yeah, <laughs> obviously it's benefited him. And that's yeah. that's that's the goal of it. Like, you know, we, there's so many different ways. There's no set way to get into the industry. There's, there's 101 different ways. Um, and yeah, just exploring those, I think, 
will help give people, you know, some confidence and, and understand it is possible. Um, it may not be through the conventional way, but, you know, working hard and, yeah, you know. Definitely. Bit of luck working hard, you'll make it. There's yeah. plenty of space for, for everyone. And yeah. Oh, yeah. What an amazing, uh, what an amazing, what an amazing community to be a part of, to be it honest. It's awesome. <laughs> it really is awesome. It's a dream machine. Absolute dream machine. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to come talk to me because um, I really appreciate it. You're my first guest that wasn't <laughs> CIG. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I'm amped because I'm, I'm a big fan of your work and um, I, I absolutely oh. love playing Rust when I when I have people to play it with. So, um, oh, man, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, to, to have you join me has been absolutely awesome. It's been lovely speaking to you in person and not over Twitter DM. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always better like this, yeah. Maybe we'll meet in person one day. You never know. Hell yeah, I'm down, I'm down to do that. We'll have to yeah. do a big meet up. <laughs> yeah, we'll man. get everyone I'll have there. To do that. Awesome. So, um, thanks everyone for listening. Um, this has been the Game Dev Origins podcast with Lewis and Tom Butters from Face Punch. Um, I'm not sure if we've got that for for next week, but um, I will try and post about it early on Twitter. Um, in case there's any questions come in um, but yeah thanks for tuning in um, if you like the episode give it a share um, give it a follow on, on Spotify and help us spread the word and, and hit the ground running with this because um, I've had a lot of nice messages about um, how much um, people have been enjoying listening um, and yeah let's let's see how, how far we can get this to fly so thanks very much for listening thanks for joining me Tom and yeah no problem my pleasure See you next week. See you.